You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We're still in our Make Room series. Can you say it with me? Make Room. Make Room. This is our series and we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Our heart is that we would get to know the Holy Spirit in a deeper and more personal way. And at the same time, that we would be more aware of His role and His work in our life. For the past four weeks, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, We have learned that the Holy Spirit is not just a power or a force. The Holy Spirit is actually a person that we can develop a relationship with. We can talk to Him. We can hear from Him. And the Holy Spirit is someone who is given not only to a special group, Not only to the pastors, not only to the leaders, but is someone given to every believer. The role of the Holy Spirit really is to guide us into all truth. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to transform us every day to be more like Jesus. And last week we learned that it is through the Holy Spirit that we get to enjoy that relationship, that intimate relationship with our Abba Father in heaven. And The Holy Spirit indeed affirms that we are sons and daughters of God. Today, we are going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit as we live our lives every day, the way He leads us or guides us, or what Paul calls walking by the Spirit. So they say you can learn a lot about the person just by looking at the way he walks. You know, you can see what his personality is, what he's going through, what he's thinking about, what he's feeling at the moment. It's really a thing right now. They actually have a term for it. They call it pasarela or the art of walking. So if someone is a model, it's something that he signs up for, he trains for. Now, how is that relevant to us as Christians, as children of God? We learned last week that we have been adopted into his family and somehow our status, our position has changed. We are now sons and daughters. We are heirs of the living God. And it if we truly understand it, it does something to us. It affects the way we carry ourselves. It affects the way we walk. So let me ask you now, how does a Christian walk? I can't really show you. Because in truth, the way a Christian walks is not seen through you know, the physical act of walking. The Christian life is usually likened to a journey, right? And you know, the way a Christian walks is seen in the way he lives his life. The decisions he makes, the priorities he has, the words he speaks, the way he responds or reacts to specific situations. It's seen in the way he interacts with people and with God. And, you know, I'm sure that all of us here, we would want to walk in a manner that honors God. Amen? We want to do that. And, you know, when people hear that we are Christians, you know, the pressure's on. Because once people hear that you are a Christian, people watch people observe, and they somehow have an expectation of how you should walk. So if you're a Christian, you somehow feel, you know, I'm being watched and, you know, I need to really do good. I need to avoid sin because, you know, they might be stumbled. I need to, I need to show them that, you know, what they expect is for us to walk like Jesus. And, you know, that's a tall order. That's really impossible for us to exhibit on our own. So, you know, Christians A lot of us usually revert to, you know, I need to produce righteousness. I need to look righteous. So we usually revert to our own efforts. We started out believing that we are righteous by faith, but then the pressure of producing righteousness reverts us back to working for righteousness to produce it. And that's what was happening in the Galatian church. 
when Paul wrote that letter to them. And maybe that's the reason why a lot of us as well, you know, we try to be a good example to people. We try to reflect the image of God with our own efforts. And, you know, we, we arrive at home tired and somehow frustrated because we tried our best, but we somehow feel that it's not good enough. We started by faith, but we ended up by works. Now, is that really the way God designed life for Christians to be? Paul disagrees and actually presents the way we should live. And he calls that being led by the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. Now, to understand more of that, I'd like to invite everyone to open their Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 23. Let's read verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day and we thank you for your presence in this place. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you and we thank you that you will be our teacher today. Open our minds and open our hearts to receive the fullness of what it is that you want to speak to us. And my prayer is that as we hear your word, it will not only enter our minds, but it will really sink down deep in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we know that you are the only one who can transform us. And our prayer is that as we hear your word, no one will leave this place not being transformed. May you allow us to see how we are to live our lives, not under pressure, but really under your grace. Thank you once again. Bless the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Christians, it is very important for us to start right. And we did start right, you know, by faith believing that our righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. But as we start right, it's important for us to continue the journey right and to end right. For the Galatians, their journey was quite a bumpy one. They started out right, but they ended up, you know, swaying a little. We've been studying them for a couple of weeks now. I think this is our third week on the book of Galatians, and we somehow have a picture of what was happening during that time. Paul went to Galatia in one of his missionary trips and he shared the true gospel there. The gospel that says we can only be justified through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He says that in Galatians 2.16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So we see that Paul keeps repeating a certain phrase here. He said it like about three times. He was trying to stress a point. 
He was saying that no one can be justified by one's own works, only by faith in Jesus Christ alone. What does being justified mean? Being justified means being declared righteous, being declared sinless. And, you know, in truth, if we were born in this world and we did not sin, we did not sin ever, we would not need the righteousness that Jesus gives us because we are already righteous. But Paul says that is impossible because for sure all of us sinned even once in our lives, and all it takes is one sin for you to be disqualified. So the only way to be declared righteous or to be justified is once again through Jesus Christ, not fixing our eyes on our own works, but fixing our eyes on His finished work on the cross. Paul was stressing that righteousness is received by faith, not by works. It is something that he said over and over and over again in the letter to the Galatians. As Paul preached the gospel to the people in Galatia, the Holy Spirit was at work. The Holy Spirit opened their minds. The Holy Spirit opened their hearts to receive the gospel, and a lot of them were saved. A lot of them received Jesus Christ. As the church grew, Paul took that as a cue to transfer to the next city so that he can preach the gospel there. When Paul left, shortly after he left, all of a sudden, new people came in to the churches in Galatia, the Christian Jews. And instead of promoting what Paul was teaching, they actually preached a gospel that was contrary to it. They actually preached a gospel that was polluted and negated. They were once again promoting obeying the law. You see, Christian Jews, they believed in justification through Jesus Christ. But one thing they can never embrace is the fact that Paul says, now that you are in Jesus Christ, you have been set free from the law. You don't need to obey all of those commandments anymore. So the Christian Jews really were surprised, were taken aback, were worried. They were saying, how can you say that we are not to live according to the law anymore? Does that mean that we are promoting lawlessness? What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is that behavior that says, I'm already forgiven by Jesus Christ. He has paid for my sins. Now I have the license to do whatever I want to do. I can sin all I want with the permission of Jesus. So that was the problem that the Jewish Christians had. That's why they went back to promoting legalism. To them, there was no other way. If we have been set free from the law, then lawlessness would happen. That's why we needed to promote the law once again. They taught the Galatians once again, okay, you have been justified, but now you have to produce righteousness to continue gaining the favor of God. You needed to once again obey all of the commandments in the Old Testament. I'm talking about obeying the Sabbath once again, the requirement to be circumcised, dietary laws, and all other 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. It was already almost, I would say it's impossible to memorize all 613. How much more to follow them? Right now, we have 10 and we can't even handle it. So, you know, it was really a burden that these Jews were placing upon the Galatians. Now, sadly... The Galatians, when they heard this, they said, you know, that's right. Because in truth, they did not know any other way to live. The only way they knew to gain righteousness was to obey the law, to follow the law to a perfect T, to, to try their best, to exert every effort to obey the law. So they accepted it. They said, yeah, you know, in order to produce the righteousness, to show people that we are indeed Christians, that we are indeed saved, we might have to follow the law once again. So they started by faith and then they reverted to works. And when Paul heard about this, man, was he not happy. He said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul was so frustrated. Before he left, they already knew what to believe. And now that he was gone, he hears this, you know, he was like saying, come on, we had a deal. We already talked about this. Why did you revert to that? So he was frustrated. And I'm sure when the Galatians were reading this letter, they probably wanted to defend themselves. But they were reading a letter. So, so, you know, probably in their mind, Paul, you taught us that we are already free from the law. If we are free from the law and we are not to follow it, what would be our guide to live right, right now? They were asking, what would be our moral compass now? What would we follow? For them, there were only two options, legalism or lawlessness. But Paul offered a third way of living. And he says that this is the way we Christians should live. He points back to the Holy Spirit. If we read the verse a while ago, Paul was reminding them, the reason why you are saved right now, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. It began with the Holy Spirit working in you. It was the Holy Spirit who opened your eyes to sin. It was the Holy Spirit who opened your mind and your hearts to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was the Holy Spirit that led you to repentance. It was the Holy Spirit who gave you the faith to believe in Jesus Christ. And that is the case for all of us as well. Now that we are saved, it all began with the Holy Spirit. How dare we remove the Holy Spirit from the picture? So Paul was saying, if you want to live righteous lives, don't look to the law. He points back to the Holy Spirit. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So he gives us two options here. We can either walk by the flesh or walk by the Spirit. So again, here the word walk it is present tense. It indicates something active. It indicates a way of life. So how are we to live? Are we going to choose the flesh or the spirit? It's only one or the other. Now, before you decide, I think it's important for us to understand what the flesh is in this context. Because a lot of people think that the flesh is our physical bodies. But that's not the case. If you go back to the original Greek word, it actually means our sinful nature, the unredeemed sinful nature in us. It is our thoughts, our desires, our feelings that have been touched by sin. And therefore, that is it. If we walk by the Spirit, it is constantly giving in to sin. It is constantly giving in to things that the flesh wants. That is lawlessness. But there's another way to walk by the flesh, and that is legalism. Trying to fight sin, trying to be good using our own efforts. And sadly, none of those are effective. We can try to work for a righteousness. We can try to work to live lives that are pleasing to God all we want, but it's never going to be good enough. So Paul was reminding us, just like you have received righteousness by faith and not by works, righteousness is also produced by faith and not by works. So he shows us the right way to walk by the Spirit. To walk by the Spirit is to, again, continually surrender, continuing to obey the Holy Spirit. And it says here that it is the only way to conquer the flesh. It is only the only way to conquer sin. It is the antidote to sin. It is the antidote to legalism. How do we conquer the flesh? By choosing the Spirit. Can you say that? Choose the Spirit. Every day we have to remind ourselves, every moment, every situation, every decision, always remember, choose the Spirit, not the flesh. Here's the thing though, before we received Jesus Christ in our lives, we were walking by the flesh by default. 
Like the Galatians, it was the only way we knew how to live. And the result of that is that we have been giving into the desires of the flesh so much that it has taken root in our hearts. There's a strong desire for things of the flesh in our hearts. And legalism would say, you know, just avoid those desires. Just try to try your best to say no to it. Try, try to avoid temptation. Ignore it. And it sounds like good advice, but it is not sound advice because we know that ignoring these desires won't get rid of them. They are in our hearts. So how do we remove them there? Let's take this glass for an example. So this glass has air inside, right? Don't worry, I'm not going to do any magic. Uh, rabbits won't appear from here. So there, this glass has air inside. How do we remove the air inside the glass? I can shake it, but the air is still there, right? How do we remove? I'll save us the time. The only way to remove the air that is inside the glass is to put something new in it. When you put something new, the air, it begins to empty the glass. And that's the same way with our hearts. If it is filled with so much of the flesh, how are we going to get rid of it? By putting in new desires. By putting in the desires of the Spirit. And this does not come automatically. You know, it's not like, Jesus, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior, and then all of a sudden, oh, I want to read my Bible 24 hours a day. That's not the way it goes. We have to somehow do activities or cultivate the desires in our hearts. We have to choose to do activities, to do disciplines, so that these desires would take root in our hearts. You know, I have a friend who, who loves Indian movies so much. She raves about it all the time and she keeps saying, you know, Indian movies are the best. Bollywood is so much better than Hollywood because Hollywood movies are blah compared to Bollywood films. And, you know, I've always heard it and it got to a point where, you know, I, I want to see it for myself. I want to be the judge for it. So why don't you give me a title of a Bollywood film so that I could judge? And she said, you know, it will take more than one movie. You really have to sit down, you have to spend hours, you have to watch at least four or five movies so that the mold that Hollywood has placed in your mind would be broken and you know you would begin to appreciate the Bollywood films and that's the only time when you would be able to say that it is indeed better. So what was she trying to make me do? She was trying to cultivate new desires, the appreciation for Bollywood films. That's the same when it comes to putting the desires of the Spirit in our hearts. We need to actively do things that cultivate it. And what are these things? Well, the disciplines of reading the Bible. Every time people talk to us, every time Christians talk to us, they say, read your Bible every day. That is not a suggestion. That is not an option. That is something that every believer should do. A lot of us ask, why am I filled with just really lustful desires? And uh, let's ask ourselves, what are we filling our hearts with? What are the activities that we are doing? So we have to really make an active decision to cultivate new desires. We can actually cultivate the, the, the desires of the Spirit by the act of worship. As we were singing a while ago, magnifying God, it reminds us of His goodness. And you know, we were declaring that I will go where you will go. I will follow you. It is cultivating new desires. The Communicating with God in prayer. Prayer is not just talking, but also hearing from Him. We need to make sure that if we are to replace the desires of the flesh inside our hearts, this is something that we should do now. Not only every Sunday, not only when we feel like it, not only when we are in trouble, but it is something that we should do every single day. If we are to push out the desires of the flesh, we need to constantly bombard our hearts and fill it with the Word of God. I love the psalmist as he says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
That is really the key. When our heart is filled with the Word of God, no matter how beautiful the temptation in front of you is, no matter how you, know, you want to give in already, when your heart is full of the Word, you will say no. As I've been you know, checking out Instagram and Facebook, I've been seeing a lot of people posting pictures with black yogurt. They're, they're raving about it, and apparently I'm the only one who hasn't tasted it yet. So when I saw it, I told myself, you know, once I see this store, I'm going to taste this. I'm going to see what, what the fuzz is all about. So it happened earlier this week. I was out with my friends. We were in Serendra, and we ate in this restaurant that serves really super good spicy Korean fried chicken. And it's partnered with spicy Korean rice. I'm telling you, it's so good. You can ask me later what the place is, and in exchange, uh, I have to connect you to a victory group, if that's okay. So okay, we ate there, and it was so good, I ended up eating more than what I could take. So we talked, and you know, okay, let's just walk it. Let's just walk this out. Let's help our stomachs to digest this food. So we walked, and while we were walking in High Street, I saw that stall of the black yogurt. And I was like, okay, we have to try that. We have to go there. So we went there, and you know, the guy, he was singing. He was really selling it to us. My mind was saying, come on, let's have it. Let's eat it. But my stomach was saying, there's no room, no space. You know, it will only last you up to here, and then you're eventually going to have to spit it out. So I ended up saying no to it, no matter how much I wanted it. Why? Because my stomach was already full. There was no space. So my prayer is that our hearts would be so full filled with the Word of God, with the desires of the Spirit. In that way, when temptation presents itself, you know, we can say, I'm good. I don't need that. So, you know, that, that's something we should do. Let's actively um, cultivate those desires. As we fill our, our hearts with the Word of God, truly it will show in the way we live our lives. There's a famous line that goes garbage in, garbage out. If you're worrying, why are all my desires just desires of the flesh? Again, ask yourself, what have I been watching? What have I been reading? What have I been exposing myself to? Expose yourself to the Word of God and communicate with the Holy Spirit. Choose to do things that cultivate in your heart the desires of the Spirit and not of the flesh. So again, if given the choice... Walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh, what do we choose? Again, we can make that resolve. Okay, I'm going to start doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do activities that will cultivate uh, the, the desires of the, of the Spirit in my heart. And as we start doing it, we would realize that it is easier said than done. Come on, it's not that easy reading the Bible. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, I'm not much of a reader. Oh, I, I, f- I fall asleep every time I read it. We have all sorts of excuses. It does not come easily. And, the, you know, we, when we try it, we can really say the struggle is real, and Paul agrees with us. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. The struggle is real because there is a war inside of us. There is a war in our hearts. A battle between the flesh and the Spirit. And they cannot coexist. You just have to choose one. So, you know, you're in a party and you're thinking, should I drink or not? The flesh says, woohoo, come on, let's party, it's going to be fun. But the spirit says, you know, it's not beneficial for you. You have to be at work early tomorrow. Will I cheat in this exam or not? The flesh says, go ahead because it's better to cheat and to pass rather than to fail. But the spirit says, come on, exercise some integrity here, be honest. 
own up to you not preparing. So, you know, there, every day we are faced with decisions. I'm sure even on your way here, it was traffic. And you know, someone cut you. Spirit, flesh, the flesh says, come on, cut that person too. Or honk your horn like 10 seconds. But the flesh says, relax, chill out. You're going to arrive in Nikasha safely so you don't have to do that. So we, have, we are faced with these decisions left and right every day. And I again remind you, choose the spirit always. Choosing one will eliminate the other. So again, we choose the spirit to eliminate the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Now here's the strange thing. Before we received Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, were we struggling with sin? Well, we were enjoying it. I wouldn't call it struggling because, you know, we, we were drinking, we were cursing, we were doing all sorts of things, and it didn't really bother us. We even thought it was cool. Or maybe that's just me. But, you know, it, it didn't bother us. There wasn't any struggle. So how come now that Jesus Christ is in my life, why, why am I struggling? And this causes a lot of Christians to think, you know, to feel condemned and disappointed with themselves. Why am I struggling? What kind of Christian am I? Let me tell you this. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that doesn't mean that the sinful nature goes away. It's always there. But one thing is added is the Spirit. Now, I remember the story of one of the people who went through Victory Weekend recently. And she works in a delivery company that doesn't really do their business with integrity. They falsify reports, you know, to save themselves from tax and whatnot. And before, it used to be okay with her. But after she received Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior, after she received the Holy Spirit, every time she had to do such things, there was discontent in her heart. There was lack of peace. And she was saying, will I follow my boss or God? There was a struggle. There was an inner conviction inside of her. And she prayed about it and she eventually ended up deciding, you know, I'm just going to transfer to another work. And I believe that God would honor her obedience, her obeying that tug of the Holy Spirit in her heart. And I believe that is the same case for us. Don't feel disappointed every time you are struggling with sin because that is the only evidence. That is actually an evidence that the Holy Spirit is alive in you. The struggle wasn't happening before because we haven't received the Spirit. But now that we have received the Spirit, that's the only time that we feel that lack of peace because the Spirit is opposed to everything the flesh does. In situations like this, again, we have that decision to make. We choose the Spirit. And the beautiful thing is that the Spirit, He does not only help us acknowledge the need to fight sin. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to conquer. We are already, you know, doing this from a standpoint of victory. And again, a Christian is not one who doesn't experience struggles with sin. A Christian is one who decides to fight against it. And again, we know how to fight it. It is to choose the Spirit. We walk by the Spirit, not by our own efforts. We ask the Spirit for the power. We ask the Spirit for the wisdom. We ask the Spirit for guidance, and we move in obedience. It's not as if we wait, Holy Spirit, empower me to say no. No power. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, act on the flesh again. Again, as we ask, we know that we have already received. It flows through us as we decide to put our faith into action. The desires of the flesh are only conquered as we walk by the Spirit. Now here, as we continue reading, the controversial statement made by Paul that, you know, made the Christian Jews really react. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So they were saying, okay, again, what will we follow now? How will we live righteous lives? How will we set ourselves apart from other people if we would not follow the law? 
That's why the Jews kept on promoting it. But Paul said, you don't need to follow the law anymore. As we learned last time, before we were adopted into the family of God, the law was our guardian. The law was there to make sure that we were walking the straight path. But now that Jesus Christ has come, we can mature. We can receive the Spirit who is a better guardian. We don't need the law anymore because we have a higher power guiding us. This does not mean that we don't respect the law anymore. Here's the thing. When the Holy Spirit guides us, He actually makes sure that one, we are fulfilling the will of God. We are obeying the law and we are avoiding sin. So as we follow Him, we don't even need to think of all these things. We can be sure that we are walking the straight path as we follow His lead. The Holy Spirit is actually the fulfillment of the prophecy in Ezekiel. This is one of my favorite verses. It says, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Again, we are no longer under the power of the, the guardian, which was the law. The law, no matter how hard we try, it is a strict guardian. We would never pass its standards. Ezekiel is saying here that God will put His Spirit in us. And as the Spirit is in us, as we follow His lead, we would be able to obey the law. We would be able to please God and produce the righteousness that you know only the Spirit can produce. We went to Japan uh, a couple of uh, months back for my dad's birthday. And as we were there, we weren't really familiar with the place. And Japan is really a big place. So these things came in handy. Looks familiar, they're maps. So how many of you here have used a map like this like for the past weeks? I don't think anyone has because these are really like throwback maps. You know, I know a lot of people who drove during the 90s had these maps in their cars. And it's, it's helpful, but it's kind of difficult to use. First, you have to look where you're currently at. So you see the font, you see there are a lot of streets, you have to really just, I don't know, it will take you some time before you know where you're at. And then afterwards, you have to look for where you're going to. And as we were going around Japan, as I was looking at this map, I couldn't help myself. I just kept saying, I wish we could use ways. I wish we could use ways. But we couldn't because Roaming mobile internet costs 600 pesos a day. So we learned to love the maps. Anyway, we went around. Uh, it was really challenging. We made wrong turns here and there until my mom eventually said, okay, come on, this is wasting our time. I'm going to subscribe to roaming mobile internet. When she subscribed, Waze knew where we were at. Wow, thank you, Waze. And then Waze knew where exactly we were going to. And not only that, Waze calculated the shortest route to get there. And not only that, Waze guided us every step of the way as we were walking in 200 meters, turn right, at the roundabout, take the first exit. You know, it was really convenient for us. And that is a picture of the law and the spirit. This is the law. You know, it's so tedious to follow. It's almost impossible. Now, if you have the option of using ways where you don't even have to look at the map anymore, you just have to follow the instructions that you hear, what would you choose? You will use ways, of course. And that is what Paul was saying. You don't need the law anymore because my spirit will guide you. Can you imagine? While you are driving and someone cuts you, ways will say, stay calm. <laughs> patience or something, you know? That, that's how the Spirit works inside of us. We can set the law aside, but as we follow the Spirit, we can be assured that we are indeed fulfilling the will of God. 
And after this, Paul describes the results of walking in the flesh versus walking in the spirit. He says in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now these are the things that the flesh produces. I have to tell you, this is not an exhaustive list. There are a lot of other things that the flesh produces, but these are the things that the Galatians were battling with. That is why these were the things that Paul highlighted. So these are the things that the flesh produces. Every time we try to rely on our flesh, it produces this. Even when we try to battle against our flesh using our own efforts, it produces more sin. Like for example, you know, I want to stop smoking, so I will try my very best. You do stop smoking, but then you cannot control your temper anger arises. You know, as we try by the flesh, more sins just pop up. There's kind of a harsh statement here. A lot of people are taken aback by this. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we can easily say, wait, I'm a Christian, but I still struggle with those things. Does that mean that I'm not saved? In other translations, they use the words, you know, those who practice or who make a practice of these things. So what Paul was referring to here was those people who continued to live in sin, who continued to do it every day. The way that they were doing it, there wasn't a struggle in there. So in the first place, we can question their salvation and the way that they have received Jesus Christ. Do they really have the Spirit? That was what Paul was saying here. And as we go to the next verses, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. As we choose to walk in the Spirit, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is such a nice, you know, metaphor that Paul uses here because fruit is something that we cannot manufacture. Fruit is something that we cannot produce on our own. Science is so advanced already, but I haven't heard of anyone, you know, creating an apple from scratch. It is something that we can produce. And here it is called the fruit of the Spirit. It is only the Spirit that can produce this in us. And you know, fruit is something that takes time. It's not as if, you know, we receive Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, and then all of a sudden we're exhibiting all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Fruit takes time. You know, you don't throw seeds there and then all of a sudden apples sprout. Takes years. And to produce fruit, we need a healthy tree, something that is well-nourished, something that, you know, receives the right amount of sunlight. That is the only way that a tree is able to produce fruit. That is the same with us. We cannot produce all of these things by our own efforts. But as we rely on the Holy Spirit, as we trust in His power, as we follow His leading, these fruits would naturally come out as we cultivate the desires, as we do the desires, as we obey Him every single day. Now, it's also interesting to note that we see a lot of character traits here, love, joy, peace, patience, but it is only referred to as one fruit. A lot of people say, I think that's grammatically incorrect. But you see, this is what Paul was saying. All of these things are a package deal. As you walk by the Spirit, all of these things we produce. It's not one or the other, it's everything. And when you look at this, these traits are actually the very character of Jesus Christ. What the Galatians, what we are trying to do with our own efforts, produce righteousness for people to see that we are different, produce righteousness for us to show God that, hey God, I have received your righteousness. It's something that we cannot produce, but something that really just comes out of us as we abide in the Holy Spirit. So again, I encourage you, Now that we have seen the results, 
And as we evaluate our lives, what kind of fruit are we producing? Are we producing fruit of the Spirit or are we producing things of the flesh? It says a lot about the way we are living life. And if you are somehow producing more things of the flesh, you don't have to be discouraged because I believe the Lord wants to encourage you right now. I believe the Lord wants to remind you that, you know, you have tried with your own effort. Now you can try it my way. Receive my Holy Spirit, receive His grace, and continue to obey Him, and you will be surprised at how you yourself will be transformed as you abide in me, as you allow me to work in your heart. Walking by the Spirit produces Christ-like character in us. And Paul continues to say, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Again, the sinful nature when we receive Jesus Christ, it's... It wasn't taken away from us. It is still there. But as we made that decision, Jesus, I'm choosing you. I'm turning away from sin. It's not a one-time decision. The sinful desires will still be there. It is a constant dying to self every single day. It is a constant choosing the spirit, not the flesh. Every day, moment to moment, situation to situation, we choose the spirit. We die to ourselves. We declare that these things that I am feeling have already been crucified on the cross. Jesus suffered for this and he has given me the power to live out the life that he has purchased for me, the life that he wants me to experience. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit means considering him every step we take. Not only considering him, but following his lead where he is going. We have to be aware of His presence in our lives. We need to communicate with Him if we are to follow Him. How does a day walking in the Spirit look like? It's waking up in the morning and, you know, as you open your eyes, you thank God. Thank you, God, for my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you that, you know, I'm really tired. I'm still sleepy. But thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will give me the strength to get up and to prepare for work. I'm tired, but thank you. You will give me the excitement to go to work. And then you get up, you open your Bible, and you say, Holy Spirit, I, I could not understand these words on my own wisdom. Help me to understand how I can apply this to my life. Then you eat. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Thank you for the provisions. You ride your car, and you know that you are short-fused when it comes to traffic. Before you even start your car, Holy Spirit, give me the patience that I need as I drive. Help me. Help me to understand people, even those drivers that don't know what they're doing. Protect me, cover me, oh Lord God, with your holy blood. As you arrive work, you know, Lord, thank you. And then you've realized that your office mate did not do what he was supposed to do and it would cause a delay in your project. And you know, the flesh says, shout at this person, get annoyed at this person, you know, remind him to do his job correctly. But then the spirit says, you know, it's okay. Uh, you don't need to go to your other office mates and talk bad about this person. Just lift it all up to me. And you know, you pray, Lord, please renew the mind of this person. Give him the joy to work. And as you reach home, you know, thank you, Lord, for all the things that I have accomplished. I acknowledge, Holy Spirit, that apart from your help, I could not do all of these things. Watch over me as I sleep. And then the following morning, that's, that's what you do again. Every moment in everything that you do, we talk to God. We talk to the Holy Spirit. We ask Him to empower us. We ask Him to guide us. As I was reading these verses, it reminded me of the new Duchess, Meghan Markle. She was adopted into a new family, the royal family, right? And in the royal family, there's a certain way to live. You can't do a lot of things. You need to walk a certain way. You need to deal with people a certain way. And it will put pressure on people. And a lot of people are watching. A lot of people are waiting for her to slip up. But here's the good thing about it. They did not wait for her to fulfill everything before she was welcomed into the royal family. 
she was welcomed first and they said, you are part of us now, therefore, this is how we live our lives. They did not stop there. They helped her. From the news, we hear that she gets a lot of help from her husband, of course. She gets a lot of help from her sister-in-law, brother-in-law, from the queen herself. And they hired a group of people to help her succeed in being royalty, to help her succeed in living the life of a duchess. There's no room for error. There's no room for failure because everyone is rooting for her. Everything that she needs is already supplied to her. And even if she trips, even if she slips, there are people who will help her up and guide her the right way again. And that's kind of the picture now that we have been adopted into the family of God. We are to walk a different way, but we are not left to do it on our own. God has given us His Holy Spirit, His very presence in us so that we would be able to live out this life. All we have to do is to follow Him. All we have to do is to abide in Him. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. The Galatians resulted to legalism because they wanted to produce righteousness. They wanted to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which they could not do. Here, Jesus says, just abide in me. And you will be surprised at how I will transform you. You will be surprised at how you would be able to live your life as you receive my power and as you live it out. Each of us here, you know, we will be surprised at the way he will allow us to bear fruit. We will be surprised at how we could exhibit patience. And when people see us in the workplace, when people see us on the street, even at home, they will be surprised and they will say, this person is walking like a Christian. This person is walking like a son of God. It's something that naturally happens as we abide in him. And this is not to our own glory. This is not just for us to look good. But this is so we can fulfill our purpose of glorifying our Father in heaven and representing Him here on earth the way that He wants us to do it. I'd like to just really invite everyone. Again, in everything that we do, we choose the Spirit. In the beginning, it will be difficult. In the beginning, it would not come easy. But as we keep choosing the Spirit, as we avail of that power that He has given us, it will naturally come already. And again, we will be blessed. We will be surprised at the way that we can impact the lives of others. People will be blessed as they see us. And again, our goal is for them to know our Father as well. I'd like to invite everyone to just bow down their heads right now. I'd like to pray for each and every person here. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for sending us your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you did not leave us to live our lives on our own. On our own, we could not produce anything. You have said, apart from you, we can do nothing. We thank you that you have allowed your very spirit, your very presence to live inside of us. And my prayer is that just as we have believed you by faith for our righteousness, that as we continue to live our lives in this world, that we would continue to avail of that grace that you give us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you that as we continue to surrender, as we continue to see, seek you, as we continue to cultivate the new desires in our hearts, that you will be the one to empower us to make the right choices. You will be the one to empower and remind us to choose the Spirit. Why don't you just lay your hands on your ears right now? Lord, I pray that you be the one to open our spiritual ears. Open our spiritual hearts. and uh, Open our hearts. That way we would be able to hear clearly from you. And we even thank you right now because just as we will hear your instructions clearly, thank you that you will provide us with the faith and the obedience to, to act as well. Lord, thank you that we will be surprised at the fruit that your spirit will be able to produce in and through us. 
may we glorify you every step of the way. Now, I would just like to pray for a, a certain group of people. You might be here right now and you're saying, you know, I'm tired of putting up a front. I'm tired of performing. I'm tired of trying to, to, to gain the favor of God. I'm tired of trying to produce righteousness with my own efforts. The Lord is reminding you right now, you don't have to do it on your own. And the first step really to re experiencing the life that Jesus Christ has purchased for us is believing in His finished work on the cross. If you want to experience life walking in the Spirit, if you want to experience freedom from the law, all you have to do is to invite Jesus Christ in your life. So if you are here right now and you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be part of my life, I want you to save me, why don't you just lift up your hand right now? Will all the heads bow down and all eyes closed? Praise God, God sees that hand. Again, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to invite Him to be part of your life, all you have to do is to, to lift up your hand right now and ask it of Him. You don't need to, you know, don't, don't mind the people around you. This is a decision between you and God and this is a decision that only you can make. I cannot make it for you. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, at the count of three, why don't you just lift up your hand? One, two, three. Praise God. If you lifted up your hand, I'd just like to invite you to follow me in this simple prayer. But my request is that as we, as we say this prayer, really speak to God, really ask it of God, say it from your heart. In fact, I'd like to invite everyone to follow after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for a sinner like me. I ask for forgiveness for living my life by the flesh. Right now, I receive the forgiveness that only you can give. Thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for the eternal life that only you can give. And from this day on, I declare that you are the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't we just give God praise?